Well, today we're going to continue on with the series that we've been going through, talking about the Holy Spirit. And today we're going to address that the Holy Spirit is a spirit. Okay, it might sound kind of like a no-brainer, right, that the Holy Spirit is a spirit. But uh, stay with me and we'll, we'll kind of work through why I wanted to talk about that. We'll start here in this first chapter, uh, passage in John chapter 4, verse 24 where Jesus is speaking to the Samaritan woman, and Jesus says that God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Okay, so it says very plainly in John 4, 24, that God is spirit, okay, as opposed to what? God is not physical, that God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Now, why is this important? Well, let's look at 2 Corinthians 4, 7. Okay, it says, But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that, uh, that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. It's comparing our physical body to what glory that God has given us, right? And he's saying the glory that God has given us is so great, but it's in these jars of clay, in these physical bodies, Okay, and I think that's an important uh, contrast between what God is and what God is not. That God is spirit and not physical. Okay, and so it's kind of interesting when we think about this because um, when we think about God, oftentimes we think that he's kind of like us, right? In fact, in Genesis, the Bible does say that we are made in his image. In his likeness, he, got, he created male and female. Right? So when we look at Genesis, there is a part of us that is made in God's likeness. Okay? And when we had talked about before, when we look at who we are, it's three parts. Right? Just like God is three parts, that we're three parts too. We're body, soul, and spirit. Okay? We're three parts, body, soul, and spirit. But the part of us that's made in God's image is just the spirit and the soul. Because God doesn't have a body. Okay, and that's kind of weird to think about, but God does not have a body. God is not physical. So God the Father, no body. The Holy Spirit is a spirit, no body. Okay, even Jesus is a spirit, and now it doesn't have a body. And in fact, I like the way the one theologian put it, like when Jesus came to earth and was incarnate, that he had to borrow humanity from, from us. He had to borrow kind of that, because inherently as God, he is spirit. He's not physical, okay? And why do I point that out? Why is that important for us to realize that the Holy Spirit is a spirit, that God is spirit and not physical? It's because I think especially in the West, especially in the United States, we have this kind of bias against the spiritual, a kind of against the unseen, you know? And I think it's because we live in kind of a scientific society where everything is like proven or evidence. You need to show me the proof. We need to actually see it. We need to touch it. We need to feel it for us to really believe some of these things are true. And when we have that kind of bias, it really hinders us. It really prevents us from being able to experience who God really is. So let me give you an example. So when we think about um, the physical I think that this is what really drives us, and we can't believe in things that are unseen. And so when I think about myself, God was really addressing this to me, because often what I think about is what I can see, 
whatever is in front of me, okay? Often I say that I'm out of sight, out of mind. You ever heard that kind of phrase, out of sight, out of mind? That's really true for me. If I don't see it all the time, I don't think about it, okay? It doesn't come to mind to me. That's why I have to put reminders all the time, okay? I have to put reminders on my phone. I have to jot notes down. I have to put post-it notes. I have to do all of these things to kind of remind me because if I don't see it, I don't think about it, and it's really out of sight, out of mind. There's a problem with that because God is unseen. You don't see him, okay? So if we're only going to be driven by the things that we're seeing, that really hinders us in being able to recognize God and being able to acknowledge God and being able to receive from God. And it's interesting because I think God was speaking to me about this, about how he's been really active in my life and doing a lot of things in my life. And he kind of gave me this kind of picture, right? And the picture is, if you can kind of imagine, like there's this long line of boxes. And uh, these boxes were like, I don't know, there was a lot of, there were tons and tons of boxes all lined up. And they were all wrapped like uh, Christmas presents or like a birthday present, okay? So like all these boxes are kind of wrapped. And this picture that he gave me was saying, these are all the gifts that I've given to you in the past that are unopened, right? When I had got this picture from the Lord, it was all of these like presents that the Lord wanted to give us, all these things that he's doing and operating in our life, and these presents are unopened. And he gave them to us, but we've never received it. We've never recognized it. We've never acknowledged it. We've never been blessed by it. We've never praised God for it. We've never acknowledged him for those things. But there's several, there's many, 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 so many instances in our life when God is working and God is active in ways that we cannot see, that we're not recognizing. It's, and it's like those presents, like those gifts that are before us, that are completely unopened. The good thing is what God was telling me, because at first I was really sad. I was like, all these presents that God was trying to give me, and I just unopened them. I had not opened any of them or received anything. But then the Lord was saying, it's not too late. You can go back and remember. And I think that that is some, a gift that the Lord has given us for go back and to remember things that we did not recognize, that we did not see. And you know when this happens the most? This happens the most when we're going through crisis. When we're going through difficulty, God is at work when we're going through hardships in our life and difficulties, but the things on the outside, the physical things, are speaking too loudly, and we can't see and we can't hear. We can't recognize that God is working. When God is working, and even when we do recognize God's working, it's hard for us to receive it. So a lot of those gifts that God was telling me were gifts that he was giving me and working in my life when things were really hard, when things were really difficult. But it was hard for me to receive it. We have to recognize that God is spirit, that God is unseen. God is not physical. God is not like us. Let's look at this next passage. In Ephesians 6.12 highlights this. It says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Okay, so when we look at this passage, it sounds, um, well, it sounds dark. <laughs> That's what basically this passage talks about. But I think the part that I really wanted to highlight is that there's an unseen reality. 
right? There's things that are going on in this world that are unseen, but that are true, just as true as the things that we see, right? There's a spiritual reality. There's things that are happening in the heavenly realms. There's things that are going on in the spiritual world that we cannot see, but are real, okay? I like the analogy. I think it's Billy Graham that used it, because a lot of people use this analogy, but... Um, Billy Graham uses this analogy as like the wind. God is like the wind. I've never seen the wind, but I've seen the effects of the wind. So it's like wind or it's like gravity. It's like these things that are unseen, but that are real, right? If I think gravity is not real and I think I can't see gravity, so I don't think it's real. I could test it. I could go up on top of the roof of this building and jump off. But then I'll soon realize gravity is real, right? Even though I can't see it, it doesn't mean it's not real. Just because the wind is not seen does not mean that it's not real. Just because God is unseen or the Holy Spirit is unseen does not mean he is not real. Okay, so I think that that's important for us because in our scientific world that we kind of live in, I think we kind of get... Um, really thought of as ignorant if we believe in things that are unseen, right? And so if you think about people like in third world countries and they have like no education, they don't have, they're illiterate or whatever the case, you might think that's okay for them to believe those kind of fairy tale things. Like they believe things that are unseen and, and spiritual things and spirits doing this and spirits doing that. But us in the West, we're educated. We're more educated people. We, can't, we don't need to believe in that kind of stuff. We can believe in science. There's an explanation behind all of these different things that are going on that are unseen. You know, I've seen that in the Bible, too. When you look at God working in the Bible in mysterious ways that are unseen to the human eye, he does various miracles like parting the Red Sea and doing things that uh, cannot be explained by science, cannot be explained by the things that we understand or the things that we can know. And so people try to explain it anyway, right? So I've seen different things like, oh, during this season, the current is really low, or, you know, when this kind of phenomenon happens in the weather and this happens here, this is why we had this happen, or the sea parted, or the Jordan River stopped flowing, or different things like that. And why I think that those things sometimes can be helpful to see that how it does line up with historical facts, or it does line up with scientific things, or it does line But really, God is outside of that. God is greater than that. God is not bound by the things that bind us. God is not physical. He is not bound by physical laws and things that we have to be limited by. God is spirit and not physical. That's important for us to stand because he's not limited like we are. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing that we have a God who is not limited, who is unlimited, not bound by physical things and physical laws, that he's supernatural. Super means above, greater than, above natural, supernatural, above the natural, above the physical, what we're experiencing, above our physical circumstances, above the things that we see with our physical eyes and things what we're experiencing. He's above that. 
He's beyond that. He's not limited by that. He's not human in that way like we are. He's not bound by a physical body. In that way, he can be all across the world, all at the same time, to every single person, every single person, all throughout the whole world. He can be present with people in China. He can be present with people in Korea. He can be present with us right now, where we're sitting, all at the same time. God is spirit and not physical. He's not limited. He's not uh, constrained in that way like we are. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing that we serve a God who is like that, who is infinite, who has infinite power, infinite knowledge, infinite presence. That that's the kind of God that we serve. He's not limited. He's not physical. He doesn't have a physical body. In fact, when we read in the Bible about God having physical characteristics, it's what's called anthropomorphic language. Okay, so it's kind of like a big term, but basically anthropomorphic knowledge language means you're ascribing human characteristics to something that's not human, not physical. Okay, so when you read in the Bible about talking about God's hand or God's face, you know, that's anthropomorphic language. God does not have a hand or a face. Okay? So when we read, when we read a passage like uh, when Moses goes up on Mount Sinai and Moses says, Lord, show yourself to me. And then he tells Moses, no one can see me and live. So what does he do? He hides Moses underneath the cleft of the rock. And it says, the scripture says, that Moses saw God's back, his backside. That's what it says, literally, his back. Right? God does not have a back. So what is he trying to say there? He's basically saying he saw his presence go by and he saw the afterglow. That's what his passage is saying. He saw the afterglow. Because God is not human. God doesn't have a back. He doesn't have an arm. You know, when it says, his, is God's arm too short that he can't read? God doesn't have an arm. Okay, so then why does the Bible use all that language if God actually doesn't have a face, doesn't have a hand, doesn't have an arm, doesn't have a back? All those things, it's because he wants us to know him. He wants to speak in a language that we can understand and relate to because we have all those things. We know what a face represents. We know what a hand represents. We know what a back represents. We know what those things mean. So God speaks, us, speaks to us in a way that we can relate to and understand because he wants that. He wants, even though he's infinite, and it's like an ant trying to understand a human being, it's like they can't do that, yet he reaches down and tries to help us anyway. He wants us to know him that much anyway. Even though it's infinitely hard for us to be able to know how big he is and how great he is, he makes an effort. And he talks in this anthropomorphic-like language. But just because he talks in this language, we can't confuse ourselves to think that he is limited like us. You know, and a lot of times we look at God and think he's just like one of us, right? And it's hard because the Bible talks about language like that. He's like a friend. He's like a father, right? Human kind of relationships, right? So we kind of think he's just like us. He's just like a better version of my dad, you know, or something like that, right? I don't know what we're thinking exactly, but we think about the him in those kind of human terms. And where there's some part of that is good, is that we kind of have that relationship and intimacy with God. Some part of that is actually not good because it's so 
much less than who he really is. God is not human. He's not physical. He's infinite. Infinite power, infinite presence, infinite love and grace for us. Let's look at this passage in 2 Corinthians 4, 18. So we fix our eyes not, as, not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Another reason it's important to recognize that God is spirit, that the Holy Spirit is spirit and not physical, is the physical is just temporary. What is unseen is eternal. And this is important for us to get our perspective right. When we think about the things going on in our life, when we think about the things that occupy our thoughts and our time, when we think about the things that worry us, and we think about the things we're anxious about, are they just the physical things in life? Are they things about, like, am I going to have enough money, or am I going to have a relationship, or am I going to have these different things in my life? Are these the things that consume our thoughts? Are these the things that consume our time and our energy and our worry? Are we f spending all of our time on things that are just going to be here today and gone tomorrow? Ours are focused on the eternal, and the eternal is unseen. The reality is that those things that are eternal are those things that are unseen. 2 Corinthians 4.18 helps us to remember this, that our focus should be not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Look at this passage in Hebrews 11.1. 1. It also highlights this. It talks about faith. It says, now faith is confidence. Confidence in what, in what we hope for and assurance about what? What we do not see. What we do not see. This is the crux of what faith is. Faith is our belief in what is not seen. First and foremost, about God. That God is not seen, but yet he's real. That we believe in God. Okay? And it's not a blind faith. Because you could read Hebrews 11 and 1 say, like, you need to just check your, your brain at the door. And then you just need to believe. You just need to have faith. You just need to believe that God could do this or whatever. It's not a blind faith. The Bible is full of evidence that God exists. Like I said, all the language that God uses to communicate himself, all the miracles he does, all the ways that he's shown, like the wind. We don't see the wind, but we see the effects of the wind. Like the wind, God is real. God is present. God is not seen, but the effects are seen. You know, it's interesting because, you know, I think that when people look at Christians, they say, oh, you have so much faith to believe in God. Really, I think atheists have more faith than Christians. I think it takes more faith to believe that there doesn't, that God doesn't exist than for a Christian to believe that God does exist because there is a preponderance of evidence to say that God is real, that God exists. Whether you look through creation, whether you look through history, whether you look through the his son, Jesus Christ, and his death and resurrection. Whether you look at any of these things throughout time, all these things, prophecies, and all these things that have come true, all these things recorded in secular history, non-religious history, all these things that we look at, really, when he says you need to have faith, this is not a blind faith. This is faith that's grounded in the truth. 
It's grounded in something that we can believe in, that God has showed himself as real. We can believe it's true. But there comes a certain point where you need to stop asking God, please show me that this is true. Please show me that you're real. Please show me you exist. And we keep doubting and doubting and doubting. There, comes, there needs to come a certain point where we come into our Christian life and say, like, I believe God is who he says he is. And because he is who he says he is, I can trust him and I can start acting in faith. If we're going to constantly need proof, if we're going to constantly let our Western mindset, our scientific mindset, always be our perspective, if we're constantly needing him to show us, prove this is true, prove this is true, show me this, I'm going to only believe you if you do this, I'm not only going to do this if you do this for me or show this to me, then our faith is so limited and so stunted. Okay? And God is so patient and so gracious. He listens to all that stuff and he still walks with us. But really, there needs to come some point in our life where we stop doing that. We don't need to keep testing God like we test a test tube and to see, is it going to turn blue or not? We need to go and to judge to see, do we believe what the Bible says is true? Do we, need, we, do we believe who God is who he says? Do we believe who Jesus says he is? And if we do, we need to start practicing Hebrews 11.1, 1, that we can have confidence in the things that still haven't happened or hope for. We can have assurance by things that we don't see, that we just don't go by the physical and by the evidence about what we can see, what we can understand, what we can control with our own actions. There has to come a point where we can let go of our own understanding and our own control. And we talked about this last week. If you really want to receive from the Holy Spirit, you have to let go of your own control. And it makes sense, right? If we're always controlling things, then what space do we, are we leaving God to work and to work in our lives? We have to be willing to have faith. We have to be willing to let go of control and stop trying to control everything in our life. And for me, a lot of times, and this is true for a lot of people, you don't come to that place until you've tried it all already. <laughs> you've tried as hard as you could. You've tried as much as you could. And then you're left to the place where I've tried it and it doesn't work. And my prayer has always been, like, I don't want it to be because of circumstances that I have to lean upon you or trust on you. I want to do it because I voluntarily do it. Because I love you and you love me and we have that relationship together. But I want to trust you and believe you. And that's what God wants. And I think that's what God honors. And then when we do that, he'll definitely meet you. He'll definitely meet you. Oh, let's pray. So, Father, I, I really want to thank you for being such a loving God, that you love us so much, that you are spirit, that you're not physical, that you're not limited, but you love us so much that you make yourself known to us that you show yourself to us, you reveal yourself to us, you speak to us, you work in our life. Help us to see what is unseen. Help us to believe what is unseen. Help us to have faith in what is unseen. Help us to put our trust in that, our belief in that, so that we can release control to you, so that we can see you work more and more and more and more in our life. 
we can see you for who you really are. We can see how great you are and how awesome you are and how loving you are to us. Thank you, Lord. Thanks for who you are. Thank you that you are with us in that way. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.